Welcome to the Other Half of Church podcast, a podcast at the intersection of brain science, theology, and church life. With Michael Hendricks and Jim Wilder, we explore the brain God has given us and what we need for a healthy, transformational community of faith. Welcome to the Other Half of Church podcast. My name is Jeremy Slager, and I work at Moody Publishers, where I get to help followers of Jesus discover books that will grow their love for Jesus and his church. Before Moody, I served as a youth pastor at a small church in South Chicago. I loved the people there, but at times it would get so frustrating trying to help people change. I would see some people growing steadily, some they would grow rapidly, and others were just stuck, and it was hard. But then I read this past year Michael Hendricks' new book, The Other Half of Church, and as I read it, it felt like he had walked in my shoes, and then he found better ones. <laughs> it, this podcast is to help understand what changed in Michael's life, what happened to change the direction and how we can use what he learned to serve Jesus better. So, Michael, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Uh, Thank you, Jeremy. I'm glad to be here. So, if you wouldn't mind, can you tell us the story of... You you became a spiritual formation pastor. How did you get to that point in your life? Well, I I wasn't raised in a Christian family, and uh, but I always had a lot of questions about the meaning of life and where this all was going and everything. So, but I didn't have the the kind of a church background that, that a lot of people do um, that might be listening to this podcast. But um, I became a Christian just one night. I was 19 years old. I couldn't fall asleep. And I started, I grabbed a Bible out of a big bookshelf in my parents' home and just started reading it and just felt that God was answering all these weird philosophical or existential questions I had and basically mm. answered them in a rational way saying, my son, you, I hear your, your struggles and your questions and they're the answers you will find in my son that you're reading about. Cause I just started reading the first chapter of Matthew. Mm. And so I got involved in a community at the, I was going to the, to, to the university of Colorado in Boulder at the time. And I got involved right away in a community of believers. And it was just like this deep bath and just, a transformational culture and community. We loved each other, spent a lot of time together. Jesus was the center of everything we did, but we also had a lot of fun. And I just started growing like crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I became a Christian in the August of the summer between my freshman and sophomore year. And then I went to college, got involved in this group, and I didn't really go home until Thanksgiving. And I remember before going home for Thanksgiving thinking, I am such a different person that left my house yeah. at the end of August. That was just how, you know, in a like four-month period or three-month three, three month period or something like that. And I felt like I was a different person. Mm-hmm. And then when I, you know, later then when I was, uh, when I graduated and got a job and our community at the university kind of spread out and went different directions and everything. And I got involved in churches and other groups and things. But I, I struggled to find that level and depth of connection that I enjoyed in that first community. And I also saw my growth really kind of slow down. Mm-hmm. and didn't know why, uh, you know, I didn't know what I was doing wrong or, you know, was my church doing something wrong? Was I doing something wrong? And, but, and it's not like I didn't grow at all either. I wasn't, mm-hmm. I wasn't at a standstill. It just was, you know, it was different. I wasn't the explosive growth I'd seen before. Um, 
but eventually I got involved in a church in, in the area here and uh, became part of the elder leadership type team and, and uh, got to know the pastors and over, t- over some experiences we did, they eventually invited me to become, to come on staff and become the, uh, what they called the spiritual formation pastor or discipleship pastor, which basically the, my job was to, this very thing is to help people grow in their, in their knowledge and in their experience and in their love for Jesus and in their, you know, and see their character and their, um, their lives change in ways that look more and more like his kingdom, the kingdom he describes that Jesus described when he's on earth. And so that was an interesting task to be given. I, you know, I started out writing some, I wrote a small book that kind of explained the basics of Christianity people, because we had a lot of really, really brand new believers who knew nothing. Mm -hmm. They didn't even know. Most of them hadn't read a book of the Bible. Yeah. And so I kind of gave them a starter thing that got them, you know, gave them the basic facts and how to basically start growing and things like that. And the, and the book was really well received. We gave out a bunch of copies to, of it and people, and it just became part of the culture. Where we'd always hand out a copy of this book to anyone that became a Christian. Mm-hmm. But I started seeing something that's similar to what you shared at the beginning um, when you saw saw growth was explosive in some people and slow in others. And it worked sometimes and didn't with others. Like, you know, yeah. some of the the feedback on the book were spectacular and how, how it changed their lives. And people even became Christians by reading it. But other times people would read it and it just seemed to not even sink in or get traction. Yeah. And, uh, and I was just left kind of scratching my head, you know, why, why does this work sometimes? And with some people, and other times it doesn't seem to work at all or it just kind of goes over their head, you know, or. Yeah. And in my experience on that, I would always hear, well, that's, that's the Holy Spirit's work that yeah. that's kind of, it's, it's just the, the spirit works in mysterious ways and you're not really sure who it's going to connect with, who it's not. And so you just kind of scatter the seed um, to use the parable of Jesus and you see where it falls. Did you start to have a hunch that there was something else going on there? Yeah. You know, when I, I also thought at times that it was more just God sometimes visits you with transformation and great change. And sometimes he doesn't. Yeah. Um, but I also wondered, you know, the, the job of transformation that Jesus gave us in Matthew 28, when he says, go and teach everybody how to obey me, how to obey everything that I taught you. That's kind of, that, you know, that's a responsibility he gave us. Mm-hmm. So obviously we should, you know, we have, a, we play a significant role. We need, we need the Holy Spirit to be working in and through us as we do it. But, but we have a big job because that's the thing, you know, we, we play the role that Jesus gave us to spread that, that knowledge, mm-hmm. that growth. And I started thinking, do I even know how, how do you teach a person to obey Jesus? Mm-hmm. Like, do I just, do I just give them a big old book full of do's and don'ts? Do they need the facts? Yeah. Um, they need a lot more. And I would start thinking, you know, this is when I first started thinking in my brain, there's, I'm missing something here. Like I'm mm-hmm. missing some variables or something. Cause I'm giving some of the stuff is working well, but sometimes it doesn't. And I'm, I had this, this feeling that I'm missing something and I didn't know what it was. And that's about the time when I started um, reading a lot of Dallas Willard. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of you may know him or not have read his books, maybe others not, but his, his big thing is that this, this big task I'm, I'm wrestling with at work, you know, as a spiritual formation pastor, that is the central job of the church. 
Mm-hmm. It's really the, 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 the core of what we're supposed to accomplish in the church, was, which, which is bringing the character of Jesus, the image of Christ, into, into people's lives uh, in every area of their lives. And, uh, and I was yeah. just thinking, too, one of the lines, I, th- I think it's from Dallas Willard. He talks about sin management. Yeah. Is that from Dallas? Yes, that's Dallas. That's one of his famous lines. Yeah. I, I started to feel that as a youth pastor, too, that it felt like the the culture that I was I felt like I was supposed to lead people to was how do you how do you fix sin in people's lives? How do you get them to stop doing bad things? Right. Start doing right things. And I remember very specifically teaching a lesson um, and realizing that Jesus was talking about the heart. That it's out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And his focus was on changing, like, actually who we are, not just what we do. Right. On the inside. And Dallas would even say he would define, like, character transformation or or, uh, discipleship. The goal of discipleship is being when we naturally and easily do what Jesus would do and say what Jesus would say if he were me in this situation. And and I see how that can be such a frustrating thing because it's where do you even start with that? <laughs> to right. naturally and easily follow Jesus doesn't seem natural or easy. Exactly, and it does. It doesn't. That's why he talked about sin management because that's what we tend to do instead. Then, since we don't know how to make how to how do I make myself obey Jesus and everything, much less help others. And so we then kind of boil it down to a sin management, which is kind of the rules, and you, and, you, and you try to get things together and box your character in into a certain channel that you think you're supposed to go. But that doesn't look and feel at all like what Jesus was saying, like you were saying. It doesn't feel like this heart inside out natural flow of Jesus's character in us. Mm-hmm. But that is very attractive to me. I like what Jesus and how Jesus describes it. And I like the way Dallas would describe it. But I, my, you know, my big question was how though I want that. Yes. Yeah. I agree with you, Dallas Willard. I agree with you, Jesus. My big question is how, yeah, and it's interesting because I guess part of the role of the pastor is you're expected to be able to lead other people to this place. But at times I felt like I was struggling myself just to get there. Like that natural and easy following of Jesus. I, I was like, I, I'm not there yet. And <laughs> it was like I had felt this explosive growth like you had talked about when I was back in high school and I had a really strong youth group or even when I was in um, Bible school and I was surrounded by other men and women who were following Christ and it just felt really hard to continue to grow sometimes as a pastor because I felt like I was on my own in some ways. I had a couple people around me that were great godly mentors but it was it was a lot harder to grow did you feel like you had a similar experience? Yeah. You know, there, there's the longer I walk with Jesus, the more I would have kind of these mysterious things where I would act in a way that I know didn't align with him and his kingdom, but it would kind of come out of me just spontaneously. And then later, you know, it's these kind of mysteries of our character. And then I would look at myself and go, why did I just say that? Or why did I just do that? And it's not even like it was premeditated though. It just kind of came out of me. And then my next thought is, well, how do I change that? If that thing is coming out of me so fast, it's almost like it's too fast for me to stop. How do I change things that I don't know how to get my hands around? 
and, and yeah. kind of wrestle down and get in control. Um, and as I read, read Dallas Willard, his big salute, his thing, he talked about the way, the how you do this of forming character is through spiritual disciplines, mm-hmm. which he defined as, you know, indirect practices we do that help us change things that we can't change by direct effort. And I like the fact that he said that we can't, there's a lot of things in our life we can't change by direct effort because that's what you and I are experiencing, right? Is mm-hmm. in church and is working, but I don't know how to change these. I don't know how to help other people change their stuff either. You know, we all have this same problem. And so Dallas Willard put a lot of emphasis in, in spiritual discipline. So I immediately at my church, I created a training on spiritual disciplines, a five week mm-hmm. training where we go through like nine different spiritual disciplines. They do them all week long and then we come back and unpack them together and stuff. Mm-hmm. But again, what I saw from that often was the the same variability and unpredictability where sometimes it was just a radically life-changing experience for one person and the same person sitting at the same table listening to the same teaching I was giving and doing the same exercises it would just wouldn't it would just like spin its wheels like in Colorado when it's when it's icy outside and you're trying to get out and your wheels just spin there's just no traction there. Yeah. And then again, I'm left like you, and like you just shared, wondering, well, why does this, why do these spiritual disciplines work, seem to work sometimes, and other times they don't seem to work at all? And I notice it even in my own life, too. It's like certain times of my life, the disciplines of fasting and prayer and Bible study seem to bear a lot of fruit, and other times it feels like it's, it's in a desert. Exactly. I had that same thing where I, I've had powerful times with God doing certain things, like meditating on scripture and other things. And then when in a time of great trouble, I would go to scripture and I, it didn't seem to help me. Hmm. And that actually frightened me because I put a lot of, you know, I'm, I have a very high view of scripture, but there were times mm-hmm. when I, I just could not, I could not absorb the words in a way that they would help me with where I was at. Mm-hmm. And that honestly was kind of frightening, especially as a pastor of spiritual formation. I'm thinking, I don't know how to help other people grow. And I don't know how, to even address some of these mysteries in my own life and some yeah, of the and answers that have helped in the past for me don't aren't helping me at times. Yeah. And it's unsettling because if you're having a hard time figuring it out for yourself, how do you confidently share that with other people? Exactly. And one of the things, I don't know the way that I had kind of thought through it was, well, like when you're, I don't know, planting a tree. It's like it has that early explosive growth where it's like you can almost measure it by the day. But once you get to a certain level of maturity, growth is just a lot slower Mm -hmm. that you don't really see the change in days. It's like you have to look back in years to really see the, the change. Is that an accurate description of growth or is that just kind of, um, settling for, for what makes sense in my, in my world. Well, that's, it's like you stepped inside my brain when you said that that's exactly the same questions <laughs> I was wondering. Yeah. Is, do, you know, is it, does it always start off with a bang and explosive growth and then kind of taper off and be kind of a trickle of mm-hmm. transformation or are we missing, missing something here? You know, is there, again, I kept thinking, is there a missing variable? I have, mm-hmm. I have a distinct memory of sitting in my office at the church, looking, staring at my dry erase board and just thinking, God, put a picture in my mind. Give me a word. Give me something. Give me something to help me understand how do we, how do I grow? How do I help people grow? And what am I missing? 
And, uh, mm-hmm. and, and it was around that time that I got a phone call from a man I'd never met before. He was a kind of an emeritus elder of another church in the Denver area. And, and they sent out teams of leaders to different churches to kind of see what they're doing well and learn from other churches. And he happened just to come to our church and study and mm-hmm. kind of look around what we're doing. But he saw, he saw the book I wrote that helps young believers. And he saw, mm-hmm. uh, he went on our webpage and saw the, uh, the spiritual disciplines training I had. And it kind of caught his eye. So he called me and he said, he said, I just visited your church last week. I go to, I'm a, an elder at this other church and I'd love to have lunch with you. Hmm. And so uh, his name's Bob. We got together, had lunch and he sat down and said, you know, I've, I've been doing spiritual formation for probably 30 or 40 years. And I'm, uh, and over these years, I've been a very good friend of Dallas Willard. He's one of my closest friends. Hmm. And, uh, and, and he, and Dallas Willard used to share uh, that uh, it seemed to him that a lot of people were reading his books. And, you know, he, he would, Bob said he would come to me and kind of express that people are reading my books and and, uh, and are excited to talk about spiritual formation, but very few, I see very few churches actually doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Bob looked at me across the, the, the table we were sitting at and said, and it looks to me like you're actually doing it, or at least you're trying. Yeah. Of course, at the same time, I've had these same questions that you and I, Jeremy, are talking about. In the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I don't know if I understand how to do my job. So it's kind of funny yeah. to have him think that I'm doing this great thing. And at the same time, I'm thinking, I don't, <laughs> I don't know if I know how to do my job. <laughs> A little like, imposter syndrome going on. Like an out-of-body experience almost. Yeah. And well, so, on, on yeah. that note, what, what did keep you going? Trying to, to find answers when it seems like there are a lot of ready-made answers of it's just the the cycle of maturity or it's just the the holy spirit doing his work and we don't really know what happens sometimes it works sometimes what kept you seeking those answers well like i said i never got to a point in my walk with jesus where i stopped growing altogether yeah so i still had little tastes of growth and those tastes were absolutely wonderful they were enough that it would keep me going and I would see it in other people as well. I would see radical change in someone's character, someone's life, the, the way they were living, the way they were loving people, you know, kind of core things. So I still had hope that that happened. And I didn't, you know, I wasn't to a point where like our church is just not working at all. I didn't think that. Yeah. I was more thinking, you know, we're doing a lot of good stuff, but we are missing some important things as well that I think would... Um, would address some of the more sticky and mysterious issues of our character change, I guess is Mm. the way I would put it. And so, sorry, back to the, back to Bob and lunch. Yeah. So Bob, Bob said, well, why don't we start getting together and having lunch once a week or once a month and start talking about spiritual formation and how to get like, you know, addressed Dallas Willard's frustration. How do we get spiritual formation back to be in Dallas's words, the central responsibility, the central task given the church. How do we do mm-hmm. that? So he and I just started meeting and I pulled another friend of mine who's a, a spiritual formation pastor in another church. So the three of us started meeting every month mm-hmm. and we read books by other authors on spiritual formation and talked about all the angles of spiritual formation. We tried to leave no stone unturned mm-hmm. and it was probably maybe, I don't know, six months into the, those, week, those monthly meetings, lunches together where Bob, Bob said a funny thing. Yeah, he, he said, we're talking about this, the same issue that you and I are talking about, Jeremy. And he said, you know, we need to be sure that we don't uh, forget the neuroscience angle 
of spiritual formation. <laughs> I and bet that, that caught you sideways. That was just such a sideways comment that I actually just kind of thought maybe he's having a senior moment or something. I honestly ignored him. <laughs> but it's like, okay, uh-huh. I don't know what that means. But a month later, we met again, and he said the same thing. He said, we, we need to be careful not to forget the fact that Jesus designed our brains, and we need to bring the brain into the equation. And I stopped Bob right in mid-sentence. I said, Bob, I got to be honest with you. I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, where was I, he getting that from? Right, exactly. Where, where's this come from? And, and so I said, what do, you, what do you mean? And Bob just kind of smiled, and he looked at me and said, well, um, I'm going to invite my friend Jim Wilder to our, our meeting next, our lunch next month, and, uh, mm-hmm. and I think he can probably explain it better than I can. So who is Jim Wilder? So that's when I met Jim Wilder. That following month, we all sat down uh, to have lunch together. The three of us yeah. that were, have been meeting already for the half a year, and then and then uh, Jim sat down, and he started to exp- explain to us the way the brain works, and the way that th- that design is actually configured to grow and change character. And he would say things like. Um, the brain desires one thing more than any other thing, and that thing is joy. And so if we're trying to do spiritual formation or spiritual disciplines or anything, and we haven't first built joy and are in the process of building joy, then anything good we may do will be very hindered, if not ineffective at all. And, and these that were the words. Like it might unlock some of your, your questions of if, if some people are growing and some people aren't, maybe there's a, a secret ingredient that needs to be present. Yeah. His, the words, his words were very exactly the things I was asking God and my dry erase board in my office. Like what, what am I missing? And he started just talking about the way our brain works and the way characters form. And and with the full knowledge that, you know, we, we there at least believe that Jesus is the one that designed our brain. Hmm. You know, even if you don't believe that these these concepts still apply. And, yeah. uh, and, but he would say, shouldn't we be forming each other's character and, and obeying Jesus's command in, in Matthew 28 in, in the way that Jesus designed us to change. And that and is so, such a, a fundamental shift to, to not just think of the brain as this mysterious thing, but that it's created by God and it's created with intention and design. And if we understand how the brain works, we just might understand how God made us to be and to become. Yeah, exactly. And at the end of that lunch, I, you know, I just got like a taste of it and I probably didn't understand half of what he said in that lunch. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the end of it, I said, Jim, can we get together again next month, but this time not, not over lunch, maybe for three or four hours and I would love to sit down and have you give us a lengthy explanation of how the brain actually works hmm. uh, in terms of discipleship and how this relates to us growing in our walk with God and having the character of Christ and also get a chance to actually practice some of these disciplines that we might not other might otherwise think are effective except for what we've learned about how the brain works now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he said, yes, I'd love to do that. So we met a month later and that meeting probably set my, you know, looking back, it set my life on a new course, um, that I, that my life and my wife and my friends' lives that have gone down the same path, we are on a different course. That's 
that has changed. I, I could say my my life has changed more in the last two years than it has in the previous twenty. Oh wow! And I feel like that's something that we all want, mm-hmm. <laughs> particularly if you're in that moment of frustration of wondering how do I change, how do I help other people change. It's like we want to have that moment of transition where we look back on and say everything has changed from that point on. Yes. And I feel very, a very strong sense of God's love in all of this as well, because, you know, I'm sitting in my office at my church, staring at my dry race board, praying to him, trying to doodle something on the board that will give me a picture. And now I look back and think God heard me there. And he was Mm -hmm. pleased that I was trying to solve a problem that to me at that time was unsolvable to me. Mm Mm-hmm. And then he moved heaven and earth. And the next thing I knew, a couple months later, I'm sitting before Jim Wilder and he's explaining the very things I was crying out to my dry erase board about and God heard. And so I feel very, very tender and kind that his, that I feel that he showed his love to me in a very kind way through all of this as well. It's not just a problem solved, but it's also him being very kind to me. Hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah. yeah, I love just hearing that that there's hope that that God is listening and that hopefully this podcast reaches people that are in that same moment of crying out to God, asking for for help to understand how they can serve him better. And he does hear that. And yeah, hopefully we we can discover the things that Jim Wilder had talked about and have that same transformation happen in other people's lives as well. Yeah, that, that's exactly our hope. We, you know, we've experienced some really, really good food, you might say, and we want as many people to taste this delicious food because mm. uh, we know how good it is. Michael's search for answers led him to a surprising place, to a conversation with a man at the intersection of theology and brain science. In our next episode we too will get to meet this mysterious figure, Jim Wilder. Well, hi, I'm Jim Wilder, a neurotheologian.